hear their stories and, you know, after about a half hour, we tell them we're pastors and the conversation died. I don't know what's, what's up with that, you know, but, but, uh, but some people welcomed it. Uh, we met some amazing believers. We stayed in different Airbnbs in one of the places we stayed in. Uh, the guy helped actually to start the Mariners Church and they were the first couple to be married in that church when it first started. And they're still going strong today. They're, they're involved in another church plant, helping another smaller church to get started. So it was really interesting to, to talk with all these people. How many, how many believe in divine connections? Divine connections are fun. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. So I want to talk about mountains move for the next week. Weeks here. Don's going to talk about it next week, and then I'll continue after that. But you notice I got the stakes up here because we haven't done this this year, and I want to do it again uh, probably the Sunday after Labor Day weekend, okay? If you don't know what this is, what we do is we, we stake our claim in the things that we're believing God for. We write it down on the stake, and then we drive it in the front of our yards. If you go to my house, our stakes are there, and um, I actually went by and read them yesterday. <clears throat> and looked at some of the things that have actually come to pass. One of them being we just sold a piece of property which has been on the market for six years, and that was on that has been on the stake for like three years. You know, thinking, is it ever going to sell? Is it ever going to sell? So uh, that was a big breakthrough for us to move to to the next level of our future, our future investments, our retirement. You know, things like that, leaving an inheritance for your children and your children's children. Amen. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to spend everything on your RV so you can travel the country, right? You guys out there, you're like, oh dang. Those those license plates that say I'm spending my children's inheritance. Yeah, because it costs you three hundred grand to buy that thing. You know, more than a house. But uh, many of us have mountains, and I want to talk about getting those mountains moved. Okay. And, uh, and giving the middle finger to the mountain does not help, all right? We need to bless it. Why? Because the mountain is going to make you into the man and the woman that God wants you to be. Now, this morning, I'm not bringing another sermon. I think we need a word from God. I think every Sunday we do. But we don't, we don't need another sermon. We need to be touched by the Lord. The word of God. Jesus spoke to the mountains. His word, we know, does not return void. That he, the Bible says, is watching over his word to perform it. This is what he does. And when we act in faith, Believing God through prayer and through confession and through our speaking, we are setting ourselves up for success because God himself is watching over that word to perform it for us. God loves it when we step out in faith. The way that you get a word from God is that you get into the word of God. Amen? So you think to yourself, well, God, I never get... Nobody ever prophesies to me. 
Nobody ever, you know, you know, I never fall over in the spirit and angels don't appear to me and God's not speaking to me. Well, get in the word of God. He can speak to you every single day. You can get a word from God. And here is uh, in Zechariah, the prophet, in chapter four, in verse six, says, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord. Zerubbabel, Somebody say Zerubbabel. I don't know why, but I always like that name. Just has a, it just rolls off the tongue. Zerubbabel. I always like that name. Zerubbabel says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Zerubbabel was the head of the tribe of Judah during the the Babylonian exile. Remember, the Jews were exiled to Babylonia, King Nebuchadnezzar, 70 years. Zerubbabel was, just like Nehemiah, was called back to Jerusalem and given the sanction to rebuild the walls. Zerubbabel was the one called back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple because it was, it was desecrated. It was torn down to the point where they didn't even know where it was. They kind of knew the general location, but it was completely destroyed. So this was Zerubbabel's. He was the prime builder of the second temple. Okay? He was the foundation layer. The foundation layer, which is going to be a monumental task because the city is in turmoil. They're, they're trying to rebuild the walls in the midst of fighting a war at the same time, um, struggling to find materials to do so. So it's, it's, all, it's all the people that actually lived in Jerusalem and didn't go to the exile or kind of hid and came back into the city were, were against the Jews returning from Babylonia. So there was turmoil in the city. And they're trying to accomplish things, get things done and rebuild how many know the old guard can cause problems if you're not flexible? You know, the people that have, we lived here forever and we just like it the way it is and we don't want to see change. You're like, ah. Oh. The fact is, it's going to change whether you like it or not. So you might as well direct the change to what you want it to be instead of just allowing it to happen because if you just allow something to happen, it's not, nothing, it's not going to be satisfying. Direct the change, rebuild the streets, set things up better than the way things were. Make a plan, move forward. Let's build the city better than it was. Amen? You know, uh, as far as the West and, and the exploration of California, Oregon, and, and Washington, the mountains were uh, a problem. The Cascade Mountains, the Sierra Nevada Mountains, they were an issue. John Fremont, in January of 1918, he attempted to cross the the Sierra Mountains in the winter, first time ever. He wrote a book about it, and he called it the longest seven miles in the history of exploration. They fought against hypothermia. They actually almost died, and I I know you're not going to like this because it's not politically correct, but they ate their dog. They had to in order to survive. But three men made it 
over the mountains. It was the last barrier of westward expansion. The men, the map, and the mountains. I don't know what John said when he made it over the mountain, but I'm thinking he might have turned around and looked at the mountains and said, what are you, mighty mountains? What are you, mighty mountains? I've conquered you. Well, that's exactly what Zechariah said in verse 7. What are you, mighty mountain? Talking about the rebuilding of the temple. Referring to the difficult task ahead. Turned and said, what are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. (laughs) Says, then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Everybody knows the the great investor and billionaire Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett had a partner. His name was Charles Munger. And one of his sayings was this, invert, always invert. Invert, always invert. The problem is we are really good at talking about our mountains and about our problems. And at some point, you have to stop talking to God about your problems and start talking to your problems about God. Invert, always invert. Start telling your problems, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Start telling your problems, if God be for me, who can be against me? That I can do things through Christ because nothing is impossible with God to those who believe. Amen? Who will be able to separate me from the love of Christ? No one. Never. Ever. Hallelujah. So this morning, this is not a motivation speech. This is the word of God. You can focus on your problems or you can focus on his promises. Again, I refer to Warren Buffett. His father was actually a four-term congressman, right? And he carried for the time he was in Congress for four terms a handwritten note in his pocket. And it said this, I am God's child. I am in his hands. As for my body, it was never meant to be permanent. As for my soul, eternal. Why then shall I be afraid of anything? It's kind of a good idea, you think, to write down maybe this scripture. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Write that down and stick it in your pocket or in your wallet and keep it there. Because you know at the end of the day, you're always going to take out your stuff, you know, your wallet. I do that. Put stuff, your credit cards and stuff, and here's that piece of paper to remind you of God's word. Does anybody do that? Does anybody write notes and stick them in your pocket? I mean, or, you know, you, you do it on your phone. 
But I don't know about you, it just is more effective. If I have to remember something, I'll get a piece of paper, I'll write it, no, I'll stick it in my pocket because I know at the end of the day I'm going to take it out and I'm going to say, oh, okay, reminder. God wants to remind us to not submit to certain things, but to submit to him. So my question is this, because people who act in faith know how to preach to mountains. People that know how to preach to mountains, they are unreasonable people. (laughs) Right? Because really, living the Christian life is an unreasonable life. People look at you, and you say things in faith, and and you you, you talk about things you're praying for and believing for, and they're looking like you, like, are you crazy? You're out of your mind? You're going to do what? You're going to... Marry who? You're going to buy what? You're going to invest where? You're going to, you believe in God for what kind of job? You don't even have education for that job. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to believe anyway. Hallelujah. Because you know what God is doing? He's waiting for somebody to step up and to step in. God loves it when we step up and we step in. And he, he loves it when we take that step of faith. He's waiting for somebody to believe him beyond circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I, I refuse to allow my circumstances to push me in a corner and to define me. We, and like I said, as far as uh, California, we met many Uber drivers. And this one lady, she was uh, from Mexico. She just got her citizenship. She was a go-getter. Uh, you know, she, she drove us uh, from uh, a long way. From, I think it was from Newport Beach down to Oceanside. She drives up in her brand new Nissan Rogue. Nissan with the leather seats and, you know, the screen and everything. And I'm like, wow, that's a nice car. Nicer, nicer than any car I ever owned, you know. And she starts talking to us. She just got her citizenship. Her mom lives in Mexico. Her brother lives there. She has a, a child. And, and, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not 100% copacetic here. But what I, what I gained from this lady is that she was not going to allow her poverty life in Mexico to define her. And she had found the American dream. She had found ways to make money. And she not only had a full-time job in a manufacturing plant, she, she would Uber in the off times, making money. And she talked about going over the border back home, which she would do every week. And the peso is 17 to 1. So... You make a thousand bucks, you got seventeen thousand dollars in Mexico. Living the good life, right? And she she just had a dream. She was she she's talking about staying awake, and I got a little nervous because she's driving us, <laughs> you know, only sleeping a few hours a day. But she was determined not to be poor. She was determined to build a better life for her and her and her baby. She was determined to help out her mom and to provide for her mom in Mexico. She was just determined that that she was going to do what she needed to do. And she was so proud of her car. She was the first one in her family to buy a new car. She's 24 years old. Her her brother was like 35. And her brother's like, you got a new car before me. So it's just motivating me because I'm thinking to myself, What's the difference between those who have grown up here and those who have immigrated here? 
a lot of times those who have grown up here want a handout, but those who have immigrated here are willing to work and do whatever it takes in order to build a life. To, to conquer mountains and to figure out how to get ahead. To figure out how to fulfill their heart's desires and their dreams. So I want to encourage you this morning. What is the bravest prayer that you could pray? What is the bravest prayer that you could pray? I want to encourage you, don't submit to age. Don't submit to addictions. Don't submit to labels. Don't submit to low expectations. Don't submit to bad habits or fear. Don't submit to excuses or temptations or the lies of the enemy. Submit to God. I really believe that many times God does deliver us from certain things, but that he delivers us to deliver us through things. And that thing that he delivers us through actually becomes the thing that God calls us to help others to overcome. He uses that experience in our life. This morning, in the words of Kelly Clarkson, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. (laughs) Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. What doesn't kill you makes a fighter. Footsteps even lighter. Should I go on? (laughs) Like I said before I get up here, you know, Paul and Silas in jail, they did not complain. They held their tongue, right? They did not submit to their circumstances. And they decided together that they were going to worship God in the midst of almost dying, knowing that the only way they're going to get out of this situation is they need to invoke the power of God. They have got to worship God. And my goal is to still take us as a church into more demonstrative passionate worship that we together will come together and not worry about who's next to us and not worry about raising our hands or be concerned about the other people in the church but we come here to passionately wholeheartedly spirit soul body we come here to worship Jesus amen we come here to sing we kneel we dance uninhibited worship Why? Because many of us have been dealing with the same circumstances in life. And your answer to those circumstances is not in the natural, it's in the spiritual. And the only way we touch heaven is by worshiping and praising God. We invite his presence and in his presence there's fullness of joy. In his presence there's deliverance. In his presence there's answers. The voice of God the future to your life, the next steps you've been believing for, the answers to your prayer, to invite his presence into this room. Miracles, healings, deliverance, and fillings of the Holy Spirit can happen during worship time. Come and ready to worship God. And Paul and Silas, they, they, they knew this. This was their, their only choice, their only, their only way that they're going to get out of this prison and not die here or be killed is their need, they need a touch from God. They need to do something in order to set free. And the sacrifice of praise is so important 
And we know what happened. They did get set free. So the question is, is there a mountain that you have submitted to this morning? Is there a mountain that you've just accepted in your life? You you don't want it. You don't like it. You know it's not God, but you've accepted it and you've lost the fight. I'm here to encourage you to stay in the fight, restart the fight, rekindle the fight, and begin to attack that mountain. Because in this sermon, we are going to eclipse Satan, amen, with the power of Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thought I'd just throw that in there for you. (laughs) Have you given the circumstances more power than God's promises? Do you talk more about the mountain than you do about his answer and his promise for the mountain? The enemy wants to grab a foothold in your life. And if you tolerate just a little bit of it, if you tolerate a little bit of that sin, that molehill can turn into a mountain. I want to say this morning, don't tolerate it. Don't give it power over your lives. Don't tolerate that bad attitude. Don't don't tolerate that sea of bitterness. Don't tolerate excuses or idolatry. Don't tolerate the enemy's lie. Something has to shift. See, the enemy wants to make your sin your identity. But God says, I want my righteousness to become your identity. We need to allow God to define us. And if you think about good, good father, why I love that we sang it, the, the line in there is so important. And many times we, we sing a worship song. When you have new worship songs, we're just learning it, you know, and, and we'll sing them again. And the more we sing it, the, the more you get into it. But we've sung good, good father for a long time. And rightly so, because it's an amazing song. The words are God-touching. But that line in there, and I'm loved by you, that's who I am. That's who I am. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Looking for love in all the wrong places will mess your life up. It'll mess your life up. I'm loved by you, Father. That's who I am. Zechariah goes on a little bit further in his book, he says this, you are the apple of God's eye. The apple of God's eye. Say that after me. I am the apple of God's eye. Zechariah 4, verse 10. Let's just continue on. I love this line here. It says, who dares despise the day of small things? Another translation would say, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel, like I said, was sanctioned by God to be the contractor to rebuild the temple. 
And at this point in the scripture, Zerubbabel was just measuring the foundation. You guys know when you build something, you got to measure, right? Looking, I mean, where the, the temple sat was in complete ruin, piles of rock. So in reference here, they, it, it took a long time to actually clear the space where the temple was in order to set the corners and to measure and to plumb line. You guys know what a plumb line is? To put the plumb line down and to set where the foundation of the temple needs to go. This is what Zerubbabel is probably doing for over a year. It took years to rebuild the temple. It wasn't like today contractors throw up garbage and try to sell it to you for 300,000 bucks. You know what I'm talking about? Three or four months, bang, here's your new house, and three or four months later after you move in, everything falls apart. No, this is, this is a, a quality building, a quality structure. And so Zerubbabel is setting the plumb lines, doing all the measuring with his ancient measuring tape. I mean, they're literally at the beginning stages of this thing. Yet what I love about this scripture is that God is projecting into the future and actually honoring his efforts even though it's at the beginning stage. Did you hear what I said? God here through the prophet Zechariah is projecting into the future and honoring the beginning stages and encouraging Zerubbabel to go for it and don't despise the beginning time. Don't despise the day of small starts. Don't despise the day of when you're a freshman in college (laughs) and you're only there for a month. Don't despise the day when you started that business. You hear hear what I'm talking about? And you know, you're thinking to yourself, is it going to work? Will people buy anything? Will I have any customers? (laughs) I've invested all this time and all this money. Don't despise the days because the Holy Spirit is saying to us all in here today through his word that God honors your initiative. He honors your first steps. And he's saying, don't give up. Get a vision for the end. Get a vision for the future. Hallelujah. Don't despise the days of of your education. Don't despise the days of of the beginnings of your marriage or the beginnings of relationships. Don't despise the days. Don't, Don't compare yourself to other people, other couples. Don't compare yourself to what they have. Don't compare yourself to what they drive. Are you out there? Because they're in debt and you're not. Yours is paid off. Hallelujah. Don't, Don't compare yourself to other people. Your standard and the one whom you should please is the Lord himself. Amen? Because he loves it when you step out in faith and you take risk. Amen? He loves it when you just keep doing and you keep doing. Knowing that if I keep doing this, this is what God told me to do day by day, one step at a time, This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build this church. I'm going to build my small group. I'm going to build my life. I'm going to build my family, one baby at a time, (laughs) one class at a time. Hallelujah. How do you get ahead? One day at a time. Amen? And you keep doing it. 
And you keep doing it. Why? Because God told you to do it. And you know that God told you to do it. Come on, he out there this morning. Hallelujah. And you just know. And you think, and the devil's saying, it's not working. It's not working. And you think to yourself, well, God told me to do it. And I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to keep doing it. Even if I don't see anything in the natural, I know God told me to do it. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to see fruit. It's going to come to pass. It will happen. I will see deliverance. I will see freedom. I will see my prayers answered. I will see the temple completed. Hallelujah. Keeping your eye on the prize. God rejoices over the beginning stages. He honors them. God God honors it from the beginning, from the get-go. You guys know the movie, What About Bob? Baby steps, baby steps. Baby steps, baby steps. Keep stepping. Keep going. In California, you know, we, we went from uh, Newport to Catalina Island, and we spent a few days on the island, and we have to take a boat to get there. There's a couple hundred people on this big old boat. And you guys know my experiences with boats. So I got majorly seasick that first time when I was on a sailboat. I prayed to die. I'm serious. Did not want to live. I prayed to get off the boat. I thought, my, my projection for the future was there better be an airport on that island because I'm out of here. I am not going day two on this ship. But I overcame. Second day was good. Third day, I didn't have a problem the rest of the time. So here I am. We're getting on the Catalina Flyer to go to, Cat, to Catalina Island, and the devil's like lying to me. You don't like boats, and boats don't like you. I was like, that is not true. It's not true. I like boats, and I'm going to that island. And we're going to continue on in this vacation, and I'm not going to get sick. I mean, I immediately get on the boat. The place is packed. All the seats are taken. We're sitting there next to the people we don't know talking. And my stomach starts to turn. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, this ain't happening. Right? About 10 minutes into the trip, a lady gets up and runs down the aisle, puking down the aisle because the waves were big, and she, she goes over to the, the trash can. And I thought, oh, no. My stomach is turning. And then a bunch more people start getting sick around me. I mean, the whole boat is getting sick because the waves were big. On the way back, it was fine, but on the way there, I don't know what happened. It was just some kind of, there was a, a storm or something. Leftover storm, and the waves were just huge. And I'm thinking to myself, I will not get sick on this boat. And I, re- I learned what to do. You need to look out to the horizon, and you need to focus your eyes on something off on the horizon, whether that be the horizon or a boat on the, on the horizon. I saw a sailboat, and for one hour, I stared at that thing. I wasn't talking that much either, and I didn't say anything to Sibylle. I'm like, I'm staring at that. I'm, oh, look, it's so beautiful out there. Staring at the horizon, staring at the horizon. Happy to say I didn't get sick. We were getting off the boat. People were still puking over the side. It didn't ruin my trip, but I focused on something, and I didn't take my eyes off of it. See, too many times we focus on those things around us and we're going down and we're sinking because of the circumstances. We have got to look off into the future. 
we have got to look off to the vision and the promises of God that he has for our lives. I said to myself in my inner voice, I will not get seasick because Bob Trombie loves boats and he will sail again. Amen? But I hear so many people say certain things. I don't like airplanes. I don't like airplanes. Well, you keep saying that, you're never going to fly on an airplane. I mean, take some drugs and go to sleep. <laughs> but how can you not like airplanes? It's your ticket to not only evangelize the world, but to go to places you've always dreamed of. Start saying the opposite of what you've been saying because you get what you say. The reward is we arrived to the most beautiful island on our vacation with the clearest water and the cutest town, one of the highlights of our trip. How did I get across the ocean? One minute at a time. I actually didn't even get up and look at the island as we approached it. I was facing towards the mainland. I just sat there the whole time. I'm not getting up. I'm not walking around. I'm just going to keep looking. So I was like, there's the island. There's the island. I'm like, I didn't even get up. I just looked. Finally, we arrived. So my encouragement to you this morning is get on the boat. The other thing is you can't finish what you don't start. You'll never start anything if you try to organize it 100% and try to get it together before you start because it never, that doesn't, it does, life does not happen that way. Married, we're going to have a, are you guys out there? Everybody's like, well, we're going to get married, but before we get married, we're going to have a house with the white picket fence and the cars and this and that. I'm like, uh, it, it does not happen that way unless you want to get in major debt and ruin your life, right? You ever start, if, when you start a business or you start some kind of financial adventure, you'll never have all the money that you need to do it. You ever realize that? Because it always costs more than you think. Anybody ever build anything? It always costs more than you think. Always. And it just seems to be the pattern of life. What I love about it is, is God is saying this. You can plan and you can plan and you can plan and you can plan without me. But if you plan with me, whether you plan without me or whether you plan with me, you're not going to have everything you need for the project. So you might as well just plan with me because you're going to need to do it in faith, believing me through the project in order to get it finished. I will help you and encourage you to finish. I will show you a way where you thought, I I don't know how I'm going to move forward with this project in my life, how I'm going to accomplish this God's like, follow me, trust me, I will help you, I will open doors of opportunities for you, I will show you things to come, I will give you good deals, trust me, follow me, and I will help you to the finish line. I will help you accomplish the goal. How do you get out of debt? One paycheck at a time. How do you lose weight? One pound at a time. How do you train for a marathon? One run at a time. How do you climb a mountain? One Stairmaster session at a time. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. 
The issue is many of us, a lot of times, are really good starters, but we're not good finishers. Because along the way, we allow the circumstances of life to lie to us and discourage us. That's what church is all about. I'm here to encourage you to go for it. To speak to your mountain and don't stop. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't allow others to get you off track and play the comparison game. Be unreasonable and speak the end. Speak the goal. Mark 11 says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will happen. Speak to your mountain. And finally, like Zerubbabel, see the capstone in your hand. Now, the capstone was the finishing stone of the building. Not the cornerstone, that's in the foundation. The capstone. In an archway, it would be the one right in the middle. It would be the last one to be placed. And you see that through this scripture, that God projected the end. God encouraged completion. Here's what he said. Who dares despise the day of small beginnings? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. He was only at the beginning. God was projecting the future. And God has a plan for your life. He projects an amazing future. He has a plan that has been formed even before the foundation of the world for every single one of you in this room. You are special. You are his child. You have favor. You have resources. You have his mercy. You have his grace and you have his forgiveness. And if you'll trust him, he will help you to finish and put that capstone. And when that capstone is placed and the project is done, people will rejoice. People will rejoice. Zerubbabel was prophesied by Zechariah that he would not only start the temple and lay the foundation and the plumb line, but that he would be the one to place the capstone on top to finish it. And you know what? He did. It took years. It took patience. It took hard work. It took determination. But in the end... God won and Zerubbabel won. It was the last one set. Ready for God's presence to show up again. The temple is finished. Now I can come and dwell here again. The great thing about God is when you finish one project and you've proven yourself with that one project that you're, you're, you prove to God that you're faithful and able to carry things through to the end, right around the corner after a little rest, God, God will let you rest and recuperate a little bit. He's going to talk to you again. And the next project is going to be bigger than you could ever imagine or think. And he'll begin to speak to you again, and you'll look at it, and you'll think, what? But God, I just finished this, and I'm tired. And he's like, well, come on, let's go. You did this, you accomplished this, let's do this now. 
let's build this. And you look at it and you're overwhelmed. But because you've had success in the small project, how many know the Bible says when you're faithful in the small things, he gives you something bigger. What does God do? God will always keep you interested. He will always keep you satisfied. He, he will always follow through, use the talents and the abilities that he's placed in you so that you will live the most satisfied, amazing life on this planet. He has such a plan for your life. He knows exactly who you are, what you love to do, and he's got projects lined up for you down the road until you're 120. How many want to live to 120? Come on now. Hallelujah. It's all set, ready to go. Listen to him, follow him, and he will lead you to amazing things. Hallelujah. God is good. And I love this about the Lord. And one thing I wanted to bring out, let's all stand up, is the nature of God our Father as an encourager. That, this, this one little passage of Scripture is pretty amazing about that. Because through the prophet Zechariah, the prophet encourages Zerubbabel from the get-go and prophesies, this is what you're going to do, Zerubbabel. Here, you're the builder. You lay the plumb line. You find out where the temple is. And then as you work through the process and you hire people and you build and you move stones and you do the decorative work of the temple you will Zerubbabel if you follow me and you're faithful and you don't give up and you work through the circumstances you will be the one to put the capstone on the top at the day of celebration and the greatest blessing will come is the day when the temple is dedicated and my presence shows up in Jerusalem again hallelujah to bless you and to bring his sweet, sweet presence and fellowship back to the people of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Let's all bow our heads. Father, we praise you and we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for encouraging us today because you are an amazing encourager. Lord, we speak to our mountains and we command them to be removed. We speak to our mountains of debt we speak to the, the mountain of sickness or pain. We speak to the, to the mountains of turmoil in our lives, confusion, and we command it to go. We speak to those mountains that are, are holding us back. We speak to those mountains that we've allowed to grow in our lives from a little molehill. They've become mountains and we've accepted them as normal. When the Lord says this morning, they're not normal, they don't belong to you, you are a child of God, and by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have already been set free. And my future for you is freedom. Freedom from addiction, freedom from poverty, freedom from turmoil, freedom from confusion, freedom from bitterness, freedom from shame. Freedom to be who God's called you to be, that you are loved by him and you are the apple of God's eye. He has an amazing plan for your life. And he sent us his Holy Spirit to help us to accomplish the things that he has pre-planned for us before the foundation of the world. Lord, forgive us for quitting. Forgive us for giving up on our project that you've given us. Forgive us for 
for not being faithful to do something every day towards the goals that you've placed in our lap. Forgive us for taking lightly your presence and your spirit and your word and your son, Jesus. And we worship you this morning. We worship you this morning. For some here, it's time to get out the measuring tape, begin to remeasure. I don't know about you, but if you've ever built anything, they say you should actually measure three times and cut once, right? It's so true. As humans, it's easy to forget. Have you ever measured something and then you went to the saw and you didn't write it down and you're like, oh, I forgot the measurement. You had to go back, measure it again, and go back to the saw. You know, you know what I mean? Phil built this room there. It's like, dang, I should have wrote that down. Go back to the measuring table. Go back to the foundation. Say, God, forgive me. And right there where you left it, God will cause you, he'll help you to pick it back up. This is what I'm going to do. Go back to the start. And we need to ask God to forgive us for despising the day of small beginnings. Because some here, you've compared your life to others and how far ahead they seem to be. But those that are without God are not as far ahead as you think. Sometimes, as a Christian, it it takes a little bit longer. Why? Because we're not cheating, lying, and stealing our way to the top. You, You know what I'm talking about? And others seem to get promotions when you're not, but you know that behind the scenes they're they're smoozing the, the boss or they're lying about the other employees to make themselves look good. And you know that that's happening. And it frustrates you. My kids come home, they talk about the different jobs they've had. It's just frustrating. But I promise you that if you stay true to him and true to his word and you do the right thing, that God is the one who will promote you. Eventually, your promotion will last and you'll be further ahead down the road than those who are lying, cheating, and stealing to get their way there. Because eventually, their sin will be found out and they'll lose their job and their position. You may not see it now, but I promise you that as a believer, that if you're in fellowship with God and you believe in Him, it will come to pass that you will look back and you'll think to yourself, thank God I did the right thing. Thank God I didn't compromise my integrity because, Lord, I'm here today because of you, your promotion, and your favor in my life. Amen? I will get on that boat. I will sail again. (laughs) Amen? guys are awesome. Turn to somebody, shake their hand, tell them I'll get on the boat and I'll sail again. Oh, we're going to take the offering. Sorry about that. All right, let's everybody have a seat. Ushers are coming forward. A few announcements. Kids are leaving for camp tonight. Be here, ready to go by 8 o'clock. And the reason why we're leaving tonight is because of the eclipse. They're predicting a lot of traffic today and tomorrow. 
and they're headed right to where the epicenter of the eclipse is in central Oregon. So they're actually going to go to Alex and James's house tonight and sleep there and bypass, go down 84, bypass some things and get up in the morning and head to the camp. They're still going to hit some traffic, but it's definitely a better way of doing things. So make sure, youth, you have your 